0: Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Toby. We're the co-founders of Ask Us For Ideas, where we help the world's most ambitious businesses, large or small, new or established, to connect with a collection of the best and most exciting creative agencies from around the world. Being at the intersection of these brands and creative teams for the best part of a decade has allowed us to get to know
1: some truly exceptional people. This podcast, Private Views, aims to shine a light on that.
0: In this episode, we meet Willis Sparza and Kelly Robertson, co-founders of creative agency Hyphenated. Founded just before the pandemic, it's already been bagging major clients, such as Nike, Beats, and Spotify, producing energized and exciting work that speaks to Hyphenated's mission of shared progress.
2: We don't buy into that we're on our path, one day we'll get there. No, it's like, we have to be able to measure our performance. We have to be able to measure our delivery. We have to be able to measure how we connect with people um, and how a brand informs, influences, helps, or facilitates someone's lives
1: um, for the better. Their agency model feeds off optimism, mentorship, and diversity in talent and identity. But they're also not afraid to be angry, believing there's a better way forward. Both leaving careers in big international agencies, they are relishing the opportunity to be selective about their clients. They have become master judges of character and in knowing when their clients' intentions to improve the world are genuine.
0: Our producer David Michon met up with Will & Kelly at their office in Los Angeles, speaking to them about the transition from big agency to small, the type of people they want to portray and how, and the importance of being clear about their point of view from the very start.
2: We are on Pico Boulevard, and I grew up off of Pico Boulevard. I grew up on 12th place in Pico Union, and so my career uh, in graphic arts and advertising started as a graffiti writer on Pico Boulevard, and beyond that, we always want to be east of Lincoln, east of the 405, more on the east side, Uh, and we think Pico Boulevard is the best representation of the city of LA. Uh, it captures its essence, its ethos, and the diversity of it.
3: And you say you say on your website you are per- purposefully placed on Pico Boulevard. So um, what, what do you think it means for you as an agency to be here um, uh, as opposed to, say, in the arts district where a lot of creative agencies in Los Angeles tend to be popping up?
2: Uh, it keeps us connected to the common folk. It keeps us connected to like real lifestyles, and you know it's it's not lost on us that our industry creates a lot of wealth, creates a lot of energy, but it also creates separation. And for us, if we're going to be about hyphenation, we need to understand, you know, uh, every kind of denominator, if you will.
3: That's a good segue to your name. So you're a relatively new agency. It was 2018. Is that correct? 2019. 2019 and um why have you called yourself hyphenated because that that seems to speak to your mission
4: um to start very functionally um the hyphen is a bridge um and for us it's a bridge between creative and strategy just at its very basic level it was founded intentionally by a creative person and intentionally you sought a strategy partner so a bridge between um, strategy and creative but as a bridge it's also a bridge um, between client and agency, um, a bridge between multiple things. I think Will also talks about it and we talk about it in terms of uh, the dimension that a hyphen provides. Like people today aren't one thing, they're dimensional individuals. And so um, we that's an important nuance when we look at defining who our audiences are, uh, not just as like a persona and a monolith, but all of a um, d- nuance and multitudes that people contain, but it's also really important when we think about hiring. Um, we just had lunch with an amazing EP, and she, uh, uh, we, we look at people that um, are great at one thing, but also can stretch beyond their craft and um, uh, their discipline and provide value across other things. So the hyphen also represents the type of people we hire, um, hyphenated individuals that can uh, write really great copy, but also um, do other things um, and stretch across their roles.
3: Yeah. And how do you look, how do you kind of look to structure your agency then? So you're like, would you, would you call that kind of multidisciplinary? Um, you're looking for people who are multidisciplinary or is that, is, am I trying to like, am I putting it in a kind of vocabulary bucket that I mean, doesn't sit?
2: I think um, first and foremost, uh, hyphenated is about people. So like, you know, we look at life experience, we look at the way, the views that they contain, how they look at the world, what they see is important to move the world forward. Um, and and so we look at kind of people as their stories and the stories that they are. Um, and and so as it relates to, you know, uh, if we were to put it in a box, we would say more of like a collective, you know, uh, a, co- a collection of people who, who see the world differently. And we may not necessarily even agree on certain things, but we complement each other not just with craft or skill set, uh, but but also with kind of perspective.
3: And do you think this influences the types of clients that you attract or take on? And if so, like how does it, how does it do that? Or how over the past couple of years have you maybe um, tried to engineer something that that feels like the right kind of chemistry?
4: I think our perspective on um, people being multi-dimensional. Um, and us caring dearly about representing the nuance of people is what attracts us or turns us off from clients. And, uh, and so it's less what we've talked about. It's more about the way we approach people and the way we wanna bring people to life. So, um, and, and we, what we talk about is new narratives, right? We think the world needs new narratives that respect and reflect uh, the dimensions and the interestingness and the reality of the real people, which brings us back to Pico Boulevard. Um, so our point of view on the type of work we want to do, the type of people we want to portray in our work, uh, the way we want to portray people, that is what attracts us to clients or not. Um, we have a strong point of view and so sometimes it's not a fit.
3: And can you tell, you know, I, I imagine that there's a lot of uh, brands that kind of want to represent themselves in that way these days given, you know, the kind of political context and the, the way that kind of things are moving and whatever. Um, how, you know, do you make it? Do you make a judgment call on as to whether that's like genuine or not, or is it? Or is it? Okay. Is
2: it? <laughs> yeah, like you know, we we tell every client we're not for everyone, and and also we want to show that in our first conversation, in our first email, in our first call. We we just want to make sure that they know that we're not here to fuck around, and and so if they're serious, that authenticity comes across very quickly. Um, Sometimes it is also, uh, what we've learned to do, uh, is lean into that kind of progressive side and that boldness that we have in our perspective. And it's either going to be magnetic and real for, for the people sitting on the other side of the table, or it's going to be off putting and go, Oh man, this is maybe too much. Um, in either scenario, what's great about that is it eliminates kind of, um, the, the dance that this industry created for like courting. And, and it just becomes about finding believers, companies that believe that there's a better way to look at the world, a better way to create stories in the world, a better way to move the world forward. Um, and using what we do as, as a medium for that because we communicate, there's power in pictures and words. And so we wanna make sure that whatever we share is reflective and embodied of the people that we want in the world that we see.
3: And you've both come from a kind of a big agency background um, and now you have a, a, a small agency with a less traditional kind of structure to it. So that seems like a significant choice, like that you've kind of abandoned one part of the industry and, and kind of created something new for yourselves. And just wondering what that experience has been like for you. What have you taken away or what do you feel like you're leaving behind going from big agencies to, to something small and kind of less? Hierarchical, probably less, like certainly less uh, traditional.
2: Kelly and I, like, you know, for me, I I, I think, you know, I come from like a family of entrepreneurs. So, uh, immigrant family figured out how to make it in the city. Um, So, it was a matter of time for you. (laughs) It was a matter of time. And then I grew up kind of, you know, when graffiti was not just expression, it was angst. And, 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 and so, uh, it was an avenue and, and so I always felt out of place at the big agency and I made it a point to, to make it my home. Like I made it my point to kick my feet up on the table, to ensure that other people see that people like us fit at that table and fit in our own way. Um, so this is kind of like coming home mm. for, for, for me personally.
4: I'm an unlikely entrepreneur, I would say, cause I spent a lot of time at, big agencies, um, but inevitably at every one you get frustrated. And so I'm unlikely in that I didn't come from a history of entrepreneurs, but I had the chip on my shoulder and the frustration from the last 20 years of big agencies. And I love what we do. I love what I do, and I want to do it in a way that treats people better, that respects clients in a better way, like puts better work out in the world. So um, that's my version of it.
3: That's like there's a lot there's like a there's a mix of emotions in that you know there's like a lot of passion and there's a lot of there's also maybe a little bit of anger i don't know is that present <laughs> you know or 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 i guess like what what you know it's a lot of agencies kind of brand themselves as kind of eternal optimists and not that i I'm not reading optimist from you i I am of course reading optimist from you, but but it seems more complex. Like, what what is driving you is
2: maybe a little bit more multidimensional, or am I? <laughs> we call it de- defiant optimism, like progress you can feel and touch, and and you know, it, it's you realize that there's a responsibility that we have, and 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 you know, we are not just in, in the business of we don't see ourselves as like a service, we see ourselves as a partner, and and so we help brands navigate or or companies that want to become brands kind of the world that we're in and where it's going but extract the truth that they have and then show them how it connects and show them how it threads and it creates a path eventually so for us it's you know we should be uh we should feel like there's a chip on our shoulder we should feel uh that there's a sense of anger uh, because the way it was done. I
4: think it's frustration more than anger. Yeah. If it sounds angry, I'm probably over-caffeinated. <laughs> yeah. But I'd say that you just know it can be better. Like when you've lived it for 20 some years, you just see a lot of angles and you, you know it can be done in a better way. And you believe that it should be done in a better way. Again, like I'm not done with this industry. And so let's try to make it more human for everyone.
3: Obviously, you started an agency right before a lot of things changed in the world because of the pandemic. Um, and just wondering how, you know, how that how you feel like that's affected you and your growth and um, uh, what maybe changed from, like, the vision that you had for Hyphenated and then, you know, a few months later, less than a year, kind of everything that is turned upside down, basically. In terms of clients, in terms of how you kind of are putting yeah. together the business. I
2: mean, I think... Um when we started Hyphenated, we thought we were going to be focusing more on stories and cons. And, um, you know, when budgets got pulled back, I think it reminded both of us have humble beginnings um, of like it, our reality and like the fragility of like business and small business and the fragility of like identity and people. And so um, I think that was a great kind of kick in the face. And, and, and so it made us kind of reinvent and go, well, who needs to spend startups like us so we can not just empathize because we're going through it at the same time, but they require top level talent to help them launch because if there's a failure to launch, that money's not coming back. Um, so we started focusing on founders, um, like, you know, founders who, who, who aren't just visionary, like live their ideals and, and, um. that was year one.
4: Yeah, I think that's so spot on. I think we thought we'd be doing more comms work with bigger established brands. And we did a lot more brand strategy in visual and verbal identity and building of startups, which was unexpected. Um, and then um, in terms of how it changed the way we work, it didn't really because by nature of us both coming from RGA in the way RGA worked, um, we were used to multi uh, Location, multidisciplinary teams coming together and remote working. Like our entire career together or history together, it was built, you know, you in LA, me in San Francisco. That was not an issue, like the way we work. But I also think it also just more firm in our conviction to do work in a more human, better way. Like uh, all the conversations about anxiety and mental health and just Zoom fatigue, it's like, uh, I think we figured out a more human way to work and that was baked in early on. So I think it was just more conviction to be better for people and to people um, while we're all navigating through this. Well, The other thing you, ha- you can't divorce from what was happening with the pandemic was the uprising that happened after George Floyd. And I think that just made us even more um, uh, c- like firm in our convictions about the type of work we want to do and the way we want to do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's uh, like it wasn't an awakening; like we've always been there, and 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 so uh, I I think for us it only reaffirmed our values and why we have them in the first place. Um, you know, in this industry, you for in, in my case, I was always told I was the one or the young one or whatever and you realize that's like all BS that's just exceptionalism and that's like exception to the rule and that's just you know making me feel comfortable Uh, you realize that you're not even the beginning (laughs) you're like the preamble you know it's like and and so for us holding on to our principles holding on to our beliefs holding on to our attitude um, uh, and then holding clients to the fire in that way was, was, you know, kind of, uh, uh, a great kind of feeling, uh, of the influence and power that we have still, uh, in this industry, um, that we either take for granted or don't realize we have. And, and so we leaned into that And, and I feel like, you know, for us from a work standpoint and the brand standpoint, the brands that were attracted to that, the brands that believe in it, the brands that wanted it, came knocking. And, um, you know, uh, Nike is a great example of that, you know? Um, and, and so they've become great partners on um, for us this year. And, and, you know, there are other brands like that that we think are gonna continue to show up with the work that we do.
3: In a, in a previous conversation we've had, you, you talked about, you used the word consequences, um, which I which I really liked because it's not something that you normally hear about um, from agencies. You know, people kind of being aware of or confronting uh, the consequences of their actions. Do you think that's a message that clients are, are ready for? Or do they come to you with that kind of already uh, as part of their DNA? Um It it just kind of struck me as something that is is not normally kind of on the table for discussion. Is like consequences.
2: The newly found agencies have that baked into them. They started something because they believe there's a better way. Uh, One of our partners, New Light or Carbon, they're they're, they're, they're trying to create straws because they want to change the direction of where the world is going. And and like not just save the environment, save the, the people who live in it. And, and so, like, they were born with consequences in mind. And, and so, for us, you know, we talk about complexity and creativity as a way to create uh, a consequence that is meaningful. Like, uh, you know, we, we don't buy into that we're on our, on our, we're on our path, one day we'll get there. No, it's like we, we have to be able to measure our performance, we have to be able to measure Our delivery, we have to be able to measure how we connect with people um, and how a brand informs, influences, helps or facilitates someone's lives uh, for the better. So we we try to measure and develop a unique way per brand um, and for ourselves as well, you know, so. I don't know if you would add to that, Kelly.
4: No, I think um, you either attract founders and startups that are out there to create positive consequences and have measurable goals, like uh, reducing plastic in the ocean or uh, methane in the air, Um, or you find brands and marketers that wanna use the platforms that they have to create positive impact and consequences, whether it's more people feeling seen and appreciated or um, uh, whatever that might be, or more demonstrable like partnerships and impact. So uh, we use consequences, we bake it into our brand framework and our meaningful brand framework because it is our belief that we should all use the platform we have to create positive impact and consequences for people because there are consequences to every story that's put out in the world. And so we look a lot at like what the impact and what the um, outcome will be of the stories and the work we're doing.
2: And for the record, this isn't like do good, it's do right. And and it's essentially right, not just for the bottom line, but for the people that you pretend to serve, right? Otherwise it's just, it's not, Real. Uh, so.
4: And I have to say, this conversation sounds really serious. Like when we're having so much fun, I, I just feel like this sounds really serious and um, that we're really like defiant in our beliefs, <laughs> we are. But when you get the right people together and you have like the great teams, like the Zooms we're on, it just, the, the, it's we're having so much fun because we all believe it. And then you're just, it's a lot more fun to do work that's meaningful, that you're proud of, that is doing right by the client, by yourselves, by humanity. Um, so I just, I, I felt like this conversation feels serious. And uh, what I didn't expect was how much fucking fun we're having. I am.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it's fun, it's amazing. It's, um, you know, there's an intensity because there's intention. And uh, uh, I also think we're very thoughtful leaders. Like if, if we can even say that, like, it's exhausting we, 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 we <laughs> agonize like the details like we like really want to make sure that every bit about the thing that we do is right um, so we try to empathize and um, we take it seriously I guess um, the you
3: know like Kelly that's a very interesting po- point that you bring up like just that you are having fun and maybe that's like you, you if you've done the work that to, to kind of bring in people who are have that kind of like as part of their DNA, then you don't need to force it. But, I, but I'm but i also curious about in terms of the output of the work that you do, um, I think that's another thing that maybe some people have struggled with or failed at is to kind of balance like conveying a message but without it being heavy handed or without it being, yeah, forced, um, and how do you manage that basically if it's <laughs> if that's possible to answer. I'm sure that's that's obviously case by case and the case volumes
4: like turned case.
2: turned up and down I think
4: and some of our work is intentionally heavy-handed.
2: Uh yeah, I think so. Um but I but I also think it's case by case. You know, um I I when we, we're, so we talk about shared progress and and so not just sh- you know, uh, uh shareholders but like sharing values and creating real consequential ideas Um, and, and new narratives is the start of that. So for some brands, it may be taking them to chapter one. Some brands may already be on chapter seven. And so then it's, 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 it's finishing the story for them. And, and, and so, um, and then we wanted to be true and essential of the brand. Like it needs to like be a part of their DNA. It needs to be a part of the character that they have. or if it's a net new brand, it needs to be baked into how we're coding the brand, and 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 so uh, you know, and it could be done with optimism, and it could be done with a smile, and it could be done with joy. Um, but I think depending on the space they're in, the people that they serve, and what their intention is, that will determine also the attitude that it has. Um, so, you know, we don't want it to be forced. Um, you know, it has to be it has to be real. It has to be, like, you can't call bullshit on it.
3: Right. You yeah. mean, like, if a brand, like, isn't ready, if they're, like, I, I, as you say, like, at the beginning of their story, you can't kind of fast forward?
2: No, we, we, we'll, we'll, like, slow down for them and, and, like, lay the groundwork because we have to be smart about how we enter spaces, how we enter rooms, how we enter, as brands, and, as uh, you know, and how we enter communities. Or, you know, and, and so... I think a lot of times where, where brands and partners get it wrong is they want to just jump to the place. And if it's not authentic and it ha- and if it, the brand's been around for 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years and it's never done anything about something, then, you know, we got to start today and that's enough. Uh, and we build off of that. But we try to create momentum for them.
4: But it has to be authentic. And that's where we say no. Um, And there's been a handful of situations where, you know, we look at your brand's history, or we look at the truth of how you're treating the people you serve today. And we're like, I I don't know if you're really about um, some of the things we're about. And so we'll say no, if there is no truth in their history, um, that would get us to create the kind of work we want to create that's just doing right right um so that's where no's come in if you can't (laughs) find something but in most situations you can find something true and good in a brand and if not no thank you we're not for for each other it's it's
2: brands are the people that work for them so change can happen Mm -hmm. it's whether or not they want to enact on it and or act on that and and so a lot of times we make the call on the people Uh right it's like like it's like do they really believe it do they really care to, or do they want to be? It's work. It's work to create progress, but it's amazing when you do. And, and so, you know, the people gotta want, they have to want it. So would you hypothetically
3: take on a, a, a client that maybe had like a bad track record, but there were new people and they really believed that change was possible and they wanted someone to kind of help shepherd that?
2: I've always believed that people should be given second chances third chances, fourth chances. That, that's how the world works. And and so I don't believe that, you know, if, if someone is willing to do the work to change and evolve and expand, then absolutely uh, uh, we'd be knuckleheads if we didn't. Um, and I think you know, helping them understand um, how they can be better is is great if they're open to it. Um, and I want to ask you a bit about, you know, the future
3: of the agency. I mean, do you do you kind of want to keep it small and intimate uh, as it is now? Um, or do you want to kind of grow it? I mean, I, 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 can you imagine uh, like an agency at the size of RGA kind of operating with the same principles? Or is this something that's exclusive to, to, to agencies that are, that are kept much smaller? If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think for us, we want to stay small um, under 100 people. Um, and we, why we, we want to do that is we want to be able to, I think, monetary, like if we look at scale through revenue, if we look at scale through employees and or people, if we look at scale through impact, there's many ways to look at success. And I think what's great about small is we see it as a new big. And why we see it as a new big is because we're specialized and we have an understanding that just the big shops won't have and 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 that's because we offer um the eye-to-eye conversation the real talk where you don't have to check who you are at the door before you walk in you can be whoever the fuck you want and then we'll work with that and 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 you know i think for us um success has to have impact at a at scale for 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 brands and the bigger the brands the better that means we're doing something right but in terms of groups of people, I just don't believe. We don't believe. Well, we were at RGA, for instance. We spent the last two years experimenting with how small can we make this group before it breaks? How <laughs> small can we make this team? Do you need five account people? Do you need ten designers? Do you need three creative teams? No. You know, you just need honesty, trust, and accountability. And 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 people show up and show out. So, um, you know, for us... That that's where a lot of the work is—is is eliminating the nonsense, the stuff that you don't really need.
4: Will, you wrote about this in the piece you authored for Ad Age or Ad Week? Ad Age. Ad Age. Um, like, if for holding like big agencies to keep up, they have to rip and replace what percentage of their existing leadership, even to match the current population? What what holding company and what big agency is going to do that right now? It's it's such a slow incremental change. So. That's one of the reasons we're here, like uh, Latinx and woman owned founders and just very intentional about our casting. So um, that, we've talked a lot about that in that rip and replace. And so the answer is no, no big agencies ripping and replacing right now.
2: No, they got to fire themselves. Who's going to do that, <laughs> right. right? And, 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 so, and they got to make rooms uncomfortable for themselves. No one's going to do that, right? Uh, and, 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 and then ultimately you have to serve uh, the, the goals that the, the, the company holds. We, for instance, we, we get to pivot and change in the moment. Uh, and then we, the buck stops with us. So, you know, it was important for us to have people, uh, who have an understanding because of their life experience and who are either strategists or creatives running a company and also being CEOs and presidents, um, because it shouldn't be decided by someone in another room in a glass box. And so
3: do you think that's a risk of, you know, if you're working with founders of, uh, who are kind of starting their journey, very principled, um, you know, do you worry that they'll get lost along the way as they kind of have to are kind of forced into growth, um, or, I mean, a lot of them, of course, aspire to massive growth, but as, as they kind of like grow, become public, uh, become beholden to shareholders.
4: Oh, I mean, we see it with one of the clients we're working with, um, the, the way the conversations have changed from the beginning of our relationship. Um, as they're scaling and more investment brought in and more of a board to serve the the nature of the the conversations changing so we see it firsthand Um, it's a balance of maintaining uh, whatever that defiance is at the beginning and the intention at the beginning in a way that can be palatable for the board and stakeholders and that's one thing but then also you know baking it in within the culture of the brand um, that's the importance of what an uh, uh, important brand foundation does. But we see, we see it firsthand.
2: Yeah, and I think we see ourselves as like guides. If you, like it's, I think it's our We still take uh, stewardship from a brand standpoint very seriously. And, and so uh, we work with what's given uh, to them as they grow. And, and if expectation is growth, you're going to grow through values, especially for the people you want to be about. And I think people forget that. I think founders and leaders and brands forget that as they grow that like ultimately your delivery to the shareholder or to uh, uh, the board or to uh, uh, the P&L that is dependent on the the way you live your convictions, because that's going to turn a person into a consumer yeah. or if a consumer into a believer.
4: And we also spend a lot of time with clients um, building a bridge from existing audiences, which tend to be whatever, millennial or older, uh, to Gen Z. So there's a lot of those conversations, which is like, well, this if this is who you're with today, who your audience is today, your next best customer, like look at this amazing group of young people who have different expectations of brands. We spend a lot of time having those conversations, and that helps make uh, sticking to convictions and creating positive consequences more palatable. If you look at the buying power and the expectations of the, the generation that's being raised and taking over and fixing all the shit we've broken, uh, for us.
3: So there's also a business case to
2: it.
4: There is a business case. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Always. We always want to like, uh, um, hold everything that we have that we present, everything that we represent and everything that we share with our partners is always grounded in rigor, and and real. It's always it's always as much a business case as that. It is a case for the community as it is a case for the culture of the company, and and you know we want to make sure that that's airtight. Um, and it's hard, honest kind of conversations with our partners um, from the beginning. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, beautiful confrontations so real talk like let's get at it like let's not sugarcoat this we'll be better with each other or we can be raw about it um and then we'll find some better answers better solutions uh so yeah we try to bake everything uh with with real truth at, it, at its core
4: that's an important conversation because getting to great work and excellent work is not easy it is not and it requires a lot of real talk, and it requires a lot of beautiful confrontations, and that is, I think, another filter. It's one of the things we talk about in our creds store in our story, which is like, if you're not about it, if like, there's a lot of people who are cool with good, and and that is one of our. We're not. And so it's like I joke about being exhausted, but it's exhausting. <laughs> and all those confrontations and all the uh, the real talk to get to great work.
0: That was producer David Michon speaking to Willis Barzer and Kelly Robertson, co founders of Hyphenated. Thank you also to Will and Kelly, to Sean Crook for editing this episode,
1: and to George Grinling for the theme music. To find other episodes, search for private views wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about Alfie, please visit our website, aufi.com. We're also on social media channels using the handle Ask Us for Ideas. And finally, please do share and rate this episode and subscribe to Private Views so you'll be the first to know when new episodes drop. Until next time.